Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Josh Pollard, and I am the adult ministries pastor here at Renovation Church. And uh, welcome to the last Sunday of 2020. Here we are. We've arrived. And, uh, you know, they say hindsight is 2020, but I think we all just want to see 2020 in our hindsight. Am I right? Can I get an amen? That's right. Um, what a crazy year it's been, right? One thing after another threw us for a loop. Uh, but I actually think this year was a, a great year in terms of giving us an opportunity to deepen our faith and our trust in God and in his plan and what he's doing. Uh, and I think it, it offered an opportunity for us to ask once again, what does it mean to follow Jesus in this world at this time? A question we got to keep asking all the time. And this year, uh, when I would lose heart about something in my personal life or going on in the world, there was a psalm that I could go to for encouragement because it would offer a very important and powerful truth. And that's the truth that God is different than us. He's totally different. There's plenty of things in this world that I don't like about the way the world works or about my life or even just about myself. And God is so different from all of that. And it's a very important truth that we need to hold on to. His nature, who he is, how he works, is just nothing like us. Even though it's intimately accessible to us, it is utterly different than us. And that psalm where we can find that stabilizing truth for Christians in a crazy world is Psalm 33. So go ahead and get that out. You can find it on our Renovation Church app. If you click on the Bible tab, and I'm, you'll see it right there. Or if you have a book, a paper Bible, you can find it. Here's a trick for you if you're trying to find the Psalms. You just take it. I'm going to do this live. I hope it works. And you just go right to the middle. And if you open it, oh, so close. Let's try again. If you open it, boom, Psalms. If you hit Proverbs, just go a couple pages to the left. But that's a good way to find Psalms real quick in your Bible. So as you're finding that, Psalm 33, uh, remember that one of the main things the Psalms do is to show us who God is and what our God is like and how he relates to his creation, to us, to humans, to the world. That's what the Psalms really does for us. So as I read this Psalm, I'm going to read it to us. Uh, I want you to think about this past year and all its craziness in light of who this Psalm shows our God to be. Okay. Psalm 33 says, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you, are, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the seas into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the peoples of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. 
From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope in his unfailing love to deliver them from death, to keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Pray with me, church. I can't help but pray after reading a psalm like that. Father, we thank you that you are this kind of God, that you're not a God who is powerless or far away, but a God who has real power, a God who is here with us, who can see more than we can, who has a good plan and whose plan will prevail. We praise you, God, and we put our hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Man, I hope you love Psalm 33 as much as I do because I think it is so good. In this psalm, one of the things that it shows us is that there are differences between us and God, and particularly three things that are different that we can pull from this that help us. uh, It makes all the difference in how we experience life, these differences. The first and most obvious difference that I see in Psalm 33 is in God's power. If 2020 did anything, it did a really good job of making a lot of people feel very powerless. No matter who you are, I guarantee you can think of things that you wish you could have changed about this year, but you just didn't have the power. You just couldn't change it. And as your pastor, I know some very specific things that many of you went through that you would give your right arm to change, but you just didn't have the power. You just couldn't. But look at what this psalm says about our God's power. Back in verse 6, it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. For he commanded and it stood firm. What a beautifully poetic way of simply saying God's word is powerful. This is a verse that you should memorize with your family. Verses 6 to 9 in Psalm 33, an excellent verse to memorize as a family. To remember that God's words are powerful. His words are powerful enough to create the whole universe. Everything that you can see and can't see by the word of God was created. And when our human powers find their limits and we encounter something that we can't readily change, it can leave us with an overwhelming sense of powerlessness. But that is not even a conceivable issue when we're talking about the God of everything. His power is so different than ours. Our power has limits, which means the trust we put in our power to change things and to change our lives and to help us uh, improve the world, it should be limited at best. Even when we're doing our best job, our trust in that power should be limited. But his power is unlimited. 
which means we can fully trust his ability to fulfill the promises he has made to us. Like in Matthew 28, 20, when he promises that he will always be there with us. Another thing that we see uh, that this psalm shows us is different between us and God is his vantage point. Basically that he sees more than we do. He knows more than we do. It says in verse 12, starting there, it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. See, God isn't like us in that we only see a little bit of what's going on at any given moment. And we have to search and find things out. He's not like that. Our generation is obsessed with surveillance. We have, you know, smartphone trackers and Google alerts and security cameras. And we just don't like not knowing everything that's going on all the time. We know that being in the dark makes us feel vulnerable and we don't like it. You know, they say knowledge is power and it's really true in a lot of ways. And our God is not like us and that he doesn't have to go looking around and find stuff out. He knows what's going on all the time. And not just frivolous out there things, but right in people's hearts. He knows the hearts of the people you meet. So we should keep that in mind when we're talking to them. And he knows your heart better than you do. He's been with you for every good and bad moment and thought, and action, and experience you've ever had. He knows where you've been and what you've been through. He knows every little thing going on in the world. Nothing gets past the God of truth. Jesus says it to us like this in Matthew 12, verse 6, starting there. He says, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are more value, you are of more value than many sparrows. So we only see a limited view of life, but he's different. He has a different vantage point for looking at everything, for experiencing everything. He is different than us. So, okay, he differs from us and the whole world in his power and in his vantage point, and lastly, in his plans. We had a lot of plans this year that got tossed out, a whole bunch of them, and it was annoying at best. Uh, and we still can't hardly make plans, which, man, it's pretty tough. But this psalm tells us that, starting in verse 10, it says, The Lord foils the plans of nations, that he thwarts the purposes of peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. And this is why this psalm is so good to us. Not only is God present with each person's heart moment by moment through life, but he is active in the big picture of things, always active in the world. Uh, he, uh, I think it's probably the most encouraging verse in the whole Bible for me because he is more powerful than us. He uh, is so different than my little experience of the world. He has a plan that's going to, uh, it can never not work out. Right? If I believe this verse, it means I never have to worry that God's plan is in danger. 
I never worry about the church or Christianity disappearing because we didn't do a good job as pastors or something. No, Jesus is coming back for those that love him, and he is going to take them with him. It's uh, our plans to stop bad things and sin and death in the world and all these bad stuff, the way we try and make plans, it's worth working hard on and doing our best, but eventually they'll all find their limits. But God's plan to conquer all of those things is already succeeding. It's already here, and it's still coming. And there's nothing that anyone can do to stop it. God's plan will happen, and everything that is not his plan won't last. Remember that the next time you watch the news. Okay, so what do we do about this difference between us and God? What do we do about it? Well, notice something very important at the very start of the psalm. It says this. It says, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise the Lord. My question is, why does it say that it's fitting for the upright and righteous to praise God? Why does it say that? Who are they? Who are these people? Well, the Bible teaches us that the only way for, uh, the, for us to be upright is that we must be held upright by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. When we believe in Jesus and the authority and wisdom of what he said and the truth of who he is, and when we submit our lives to him, then and only then are we upright and righteous. But why doesn't it say that, uh, why doesn't it say sing joyfully to the Lord everyone? It is fitting for everyone to praise the Lord. Why doesn't it say that? Why does the writer make that distinction? I think if we notice in verse 8, it tells all the earth to fear the Lord. But verse 1, it only tells the righteous, the upright, those that have given their lives to Jesus to also praise him. Perhaps the distinction here helps us to realize what true praise comes from. It comes from absolute surrender. Complete dependence on God's mercy. It's fitting to celebrate the birth of the Savior when we know and believe what his death and resurrection did for us. It's fitting for us to praise the judge of the world when we believe he's always right and true and faithful. Because when you know that he is to be feared, but that he can also be trusted, well, then you've got something to praise about. It makes No sense for people who do not fully trust God to fool themselves by saying how great he is. They should fear his judgment, rightly so. Sometimes we say, Jesus is great, God is great, but then there's no fruit that you actually believe that in your lives. You're tricking yourself. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 7. He says, starting in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Why praise a God that you only see as a weekend activity? Why praise a God that you don't believe is wiser than you? Why praise a God if your actions say he's not worth the effort and time that you are putting into other things? 
because your actions say, he's not all that great to you, really. Or maybe he's great, but you fear what your friends think more. Or Jesus is so wise, and I love him, and he says such uh, uh, amazing and great things, but if I just you know, cut this corner at work, it'll save my career, and I fear losing my career too much. To praise God without first fearing him, without first viewing him with overwhelming reverence, without first knowing and believing with every cell in your body that his opinion is the only one that matters and that his kingdom is the only one with any lasting power and that his words are the only right and true way to live and that he knows every little thing we've done and that he never sugarcoats our sin but calls it for what it is, evil and fatal sin and that the only hope we have is to be held upright by the power of him dying in our place with his unworldly love for us. That doesn't make sense. Otherwise, we would be completely hopeless in front of his judgment because we are so sinful. Until we can fear him rightly like that, it doesn't make much sense to be excited about him. It's not fitting to praise God's mercy if we don't first fear his judgment. As one pastor says it, there's nothing amazing about his grace if there's nothing fearful about his holiness. If we praise God without first fearing him, then we don't actually know the God we're trying to praise. It's like a vegan saying that Culver's Butter Burger is better than In-N-Out's Double Double. Their, their praise is empty because they don't know anything about what they're actually trying to praise. For our praise to actually make any sense, we've got to know that the only hope we have is to cling tightly to the loving and merciful judge that we see in Jesus' birth, life, death, resurrection from the grave, ascension to heaven, and his promise to come again. He is true to that promise, and that is worthy of praise. And when we cling to this more than anything else, and we trust him more than anything else, this psalm tells us to sing and to dance and to shout for joy. It says in verse 20, wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Do you know, do you know what holy means? It means set apart and different. He is different than you. And that is so good because it means when, when you feel trapped, God is not trapped. When you feel stuck, God is not stuck. When you feel worried, God is not worried. When you're confused, he's not confused. When you feel like you're just done with this, he is not done. And when you feel like the weight of your sin and your life is too much for you, it is not too much for him. Praise God for being so different than us. Pray with me, church. Father, we thank you for who you are. If you were, if you were anything else, it wouldn't make sense, but you are who you are, and so we praise you. Help us to fear you, Father. Help us to know you as a righteous judge who is always right and true and powerful and in authority and that you are also merciful and trustworthy. And out of that, we praise you, God. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, 
even as we put our hope in you. We praise your holy and righteous and merciful name. In your son's name we pray. Amen.